Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But I want you to just focus with me for the next few minutes, if you don't mind, on verse number four. Depending on your translation, it would say Jesus would utter the words for, at least John would record that Jesus had need passed through Samaria. In other words, when you read of John's telling of this account, John rehearses the fact that Jesus went to and through Samaria with intentionality. As I had thought about preaching through this particular text in John chapter 4, even uh, about a month ago, I had intended to speak on a sermon entitled, The Way, The Water, and The Woman. But I couldn't get past verse number 4 in the reading. Because if you understand verse number four, you, you get a glimpse into Jesus' heart and his ministry. For the King James would put it this way. For he must needs go through Samaria. If I had to give a title to my brief exhortation on this morning, and this, I'm pivoting this morning. This is not really what I had intended to share even, I'm, I'm going to pivot because of the nature of today, but I want to speak to you for a few minutes on something I've entitled, I Came This Way For You. I Came This Way For You. It becomes clear as Jesus began to engage this woman in dialogue, that there is a relationship or lack thereof that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans were a mixed race of individuals, and if you know a little bit about the history and the background of uh, the nation of Israel as a whole, uh, at, the, at the death of King Solomon, the, uh, the son of David, the kingdom had split in two with 10 tribes out of the 12 well 13 if you want to be technical but but 10 tribes out of the 12 remaining in the north and and establishing as it were places of worship in both Bethel as well as a place called Dan but the two southern tribes would maintain their place of worship, which was considered to be the city of the king, which was Jerusalem. And so 
Uh, oftentimes when you read in the Old Testament past the, the prophets and you see them referring to Israel, they are really more than likely referring to the, 12, the, two, the ten sorry, tribes that dwelt in the, north, the northern part of the kingdom. And oftentimes when the prophets would refer to Judah, it's, it's referring to at least the, the compilation of the two tribes that stayed faithful to God. In the process of time, both, both groups would, would give way to idolatry and God would have to bring them in check. But, but the ten tribes, the tribes in the north more so, and even though at one point the southern tribes, Judah, would, would have gone away into Babylonian captivity, their history, their culture, and their religion remained intact. And so when... They were released from Babylonian captivity. They were able to make their way back into Jerusalem and, and so continued to strive and to thrive in their religious upbringings. But that was not the case with the northern tribes. As a result of, of going away from God, God determined to send a great nation through the people of the Assyrians. And what the Assyrians did was very different from what the Babylonians did. The, the Babylonians kept the Jews together. And so they, they still had, even though they were in captivity, they, they were still able to practice their religion. They, they were still able to, to bear children. They were still able to keep the, the lineage clear and keep the lineage pure, but the, the, the ten tribes, when they were taken over by Assyria, Assyria didn't do like the Babylonians did. And so what the Assyrians would do is that the Assyrians would conquer a region and they would take that people that they would have conquered and they would have scattered them throughout their empire at the time. And so picture these ten tribes after they were, they were taken captive by the Assyrians, they were removed from the area that they once called home and they were scattered abroad among the nations. And while they're under this rule, while they're under this captivity, unlike the southern tribes, they would mix and they would mingle, they would marry and, and they would lose sight of their bloodline to the extent that when they occupy this region of Samaria, when they occupy this region now north of Judea, they were considered by the Jews, the southern Jews, the southern tribes, they were considered by the people of, of, of Judah as mongrels. And so throughout their history, the Jews or the, 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 those who were descendants of Judah, those from the south, did not mingle with those who dwelled in the area of Samaria. And so the woman, when she engages in, with Jesus in this dialogue early in chapter number four, she makes it known to Jesus that I know my history and apparently you don't. Because if you knew your history, you, you probably would not have been asking me to give you some water to drink because the Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans. 
But what she failed to realize was Jesus didn't happen to, 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 to fall or, or stop by that well by, by, by circumstance. Or he, he didn't just happen to stumble and stop at this place helter-skeltily. No, he was there for a reason. Ultimately, he was there for her. So when I look at this particular text, I want us to appreciate something really, really quickly is that this text teaches us about Jesus' purpose. Not only does it teach us about Jesus' purpose, but it also gives us a perspective into his pattern. When you think about Jesus' purpose, Jesus was meant to be a light in the darkness. When you think about Jesus' purpose, Jesus was meant to be the lamb that would come and take away the sin of all the world. When you think about Jesus' purpose, Jesus was the great physician who would come to those who are sick. When you think about Jesus' purpose, Jesus' purpose was to be the savior, not to some of mankind, but to all of mankind. So when you look at this dialogue, Jesus knows all too well about the history that, that existed between the southern tribes and the northern tribes. Jesus knew the history that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans. But if I have to be quite frank with you, Jesus ultimately did not care. Because in his purpose... He is showcasing in this woman and in this dialogue the very reason why he left heaven to begin with. If I could pour out myself, if I could, if I could rest my deity down, if, if I could leave everything I've ever known pr prior to creation, if I could leave that and, and empty myself and, and to come into this earth, I need to show you, oh Samaritan. I need, I need to show you, oh woman. I, I need to show you who think you are not worthy. I need to show you who are on the margins. I need to show you who are outcasts. I need to show you who are laden in sin that I am here for you. It's easy for Jesus to have just been uh, held the mantle of being savior of the world. But in order to be savior of the world, you have to touch each soul one heart at a time. So Jesus, while yes, he is concerned with the masses, but Jesus is showcasing here with this woman in this dialogue that I am concerned, yes, about the masses, but I'm also concerned about you. Have you ever, have you ever wanted to pray to God and you, you, you felt like maybe your prayer was, wasn't as significant as somebody else's prayer? Have you ever felt like you wanted to go to God but you felt like, you know what, God, uh, right now I'm too insignificant for God to do anything with me. God wants us to know that we, he sees each and every one of us where we are. So as we see in this dialogue, we, we understand that Jesus' purpose was to be savior of all mankind. Jesus wasn't there to, to uphold our feuds. He wasn't there to uphold division. He wasn't there to uphold tradition. He wasn't there to uphold thinking. He wasn't there to uphold ideologies. He wasn't there to uphold all of these things. He was rather there to fulfill the purpose of Almighty God. 
So while, yes, I know that the Jews don't speak to the Samaritans, I'm glad that I'm not here to follow in that propaganda. I'm here to follow in the purpose of God. Because when I'm walking in the purpose of God, I don't have time for this other stuff. So Jesus was concerned with not just all souls. I need for us to appreciate this because for us to claim that we are in love and we have a heart for all of mankind, we have to love every single mankind. So we could claim to love all. We could claim to have a desire to see all saved. We could claim all, all we want. But in order to, to meet the needs of the all, we have to meet the needs of the every. So Jesus is the great physician who came to heal the sick. He is also savior of all of mankind. Jesus' purpose, church, was wrapped up in people. Let me repeat that one more time. Jesus' purpose was wrapped up in people. Let me, let me do this really quick. Not only do we see his purpose, but also in the text we also see his pattern. Watch this. As we look at Jesus' pattern, his, his pattern is to go in search for those who were in need of grace. His pattern was to go out of his way to connect with those who were disconnected from society. His pattern, if you, if you, if you understand Jesus' pattern, just looking through the annals of this text, his, his pattern was to break the mold of the culture of the day. His pattern was to break the norms of segregation and separation. His pattern was to offer life to those who were just surviving and getting up every morning and trying to find something to do and going to bed to, at night and getting up the next day. It's, it's just survival, but they weren't really living. His, his, his pattern was to offer life to those who were just surviving. But also, if you look at Jesus' pattern, his pattern was to take the paths that lead to peace and reconciliation to God. So Jesus wasn't just a trailblazer, but he was a world traveler. We like to think of the aspect of trailblazing. I need to be the first one to do it. Well, that's good, but understand that Jesus was traveling roads that others could have traveled, but they decided to not take. Because the truth is there was a different way that he could have taken to get to where he needed to get to. But he said, listen, I must need travel this way. There are some people we will not meet if we determine to not go or take those paths. There are some people we will not touch if we refuse to open up to them. There are some people we will not win to Christ if we refuse to reach out to them. There are some people we will not bring close to God if we don't open our mouths and break tradition and break the mold. I know it's hard for a young lady that's been molested by her dad when she is older now to reach out to that man. But if you are a believer in Christ, Christ dictates, the pattern dictates that you bring, uh, you bring, you bring reconciliation where there was once division. I know it's hard to do some of these things when somebody stabs you in the back and somebody says something about you and somebody ultimately rejected you before. But if you are a believer, we are called to follow the pattern of Jesus Christ. 
We are about walking paths that lead to peace and reconciliation. So watch this really quickly. Hopefully you will get this. Uh, if we recognize Christ's purpose and our purpose is wrapped up in his, then here is our purpose on this earth. We are purposed to be people who are salt of the earth and light in the dark places. Our purpose is to keep taking the lamb to this world, this, this lamb that takes away and continues to cleanse the world from its sin. Our purpose is to keep taking the, the great physician to those who are sick. And I need for us to appreciate that because oftentimes we feel like uh, it, it's incumbent upon people who need Jesus to come to where Jesus is. And we think that where Jesus is, is, is in the general assembly of the church, but it's incumbent upon us to take Jesus to where the sick reside. God be praised if, if somebody who does not know Jesus comes into the assembly, but that's not where people ought to come and meet Jesus. We need to be taking Jesus to people. People need to see Jesus in us. And so if that was Jesus' purpose, then that needs to be our purpose as well. We need to find purpose in continuing to take the Savior of the world to all of mankind. So if Jesus had a purpose and Jesus had a pattern, then that means we have a purpose, but we also have a pattern. And I want to conclude to us as I hasten to my seat now really quickly that our pattern is Jesus. So follow me on this and we'll be done. If there is one thing I want to take out from this text this morning that I believe is invaluable to us as Christians, it's this. It's the ability to recognize that Jesus was a bridge builder. Repeat that one more time. If there is one thing I want us to take out from this text in this brief, short moment, it's this. That Jesus, say Jesus, was a bridge builder. That becomes important because in most cases we find that religious fanatics and religious prideful folks often create barriers as opposed to creating bridges. To protect what we hold true, so many people often so easily block bridges. But I need for us to appreciate something that it's not our place to, to block anything that Jesus has opened. But too many times we find ourselves as human beings, too many times we find ourselves in religion, often creating barriers that even Jesus Christ himself did not set. So if Jesus was a bridge builder, we ought to be bridge builders as well. As if blocking a bridge wasn't bad enough to compound the matter, we have some individuals that actually break bridges. But I need for us to see this because I know that, you know, any illustration has its limitations. But as I think about this illustration of being a bridge builder, there are levels to this. 
But what I, I want us to appreciate for the purpose of our exhortation is simply this. When we are talking about being a bridge builder, Jesus was there to be a bridge builder in terms of connecting people to God. And it's our place as well. If we have to be bridge builders, we have to be willing to connect people to God. I know this might sound strange. It's not our place to plug people into church. If we read the book of Acts really carefully, the scripture says, the Lord adds to the church daily such as... It's not our place to plug people into church. It's our place to help people and get them plugged into Christ. Help people, get them plugged into God. Help people, get them plugged in. We, we, we spend so much time about congregation, 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 that we, we forget. We, we, we train people to become congregationalists and not Christians. So our loyalty... Our loyalty becomes the congregation and not Christ. But let me show you how that works. If your loyalty is to the congregation and not Christ, when you move, God forbid, or if something happens in this place, God forbid, more often than not, your connection with Christ is hindered. But if your connection is with Christ, then when things happen in the congregation, you have what it takes to be able to deal with that stuff and move on. Too many times when things happen in a congregation, people just jump from place to place, not recognizing. We're all connected, at, at, if you didn't know. You could leave Antioch and go to Smyrna. It doesn't, ma it doesn't matter. You're still a member of the family of God. You could leave Smyrna and go to Murfreesboro. It does not matter. You're, we're still all connected to the church of God. And guess what? If you stay disconnected that way, then what's going to happen when we have opportunities to come together? We will distance ourselves because guess what? I don't like those people. Who, who are those people? But Jesus said, listen, I've, I've, I've come here for you. I have made my way through the muck and the mess and the mire of segregation and separation. And I have come here for you. Ryan. Let me just make these points really quick, hopefully. So as we think about as we think about what drew Jesus to this woman, I want us to understand this woman is us. See these really quickly, and Joe David will lead us in some singing. Jesus loved this woman in spite of what his national relationship was or what the national relationship was between the Jews and the Samaritans. We are often trained nationalistically to like or dislike people that our nation likes or dislikes. So if the president says, we shouldn't like these people, if the prime minister says, we shouldn't like these people, if the general consensus says these people are enemies and these people are wicked, then that leaves the general population as well to think, well, if, if the government says they're bad, then they're bad. So the Jewish population said these Samaritans ain't no good. And so it was, it, was, it was expected that every single person that claimed to be a Jew upheld the view that these Samaritans 
they weren't good. Could I, could I say something, church? I, I know Russia is doing some really weird stuff right now. But we got to love Russians. Could, could I say something, church? I know China is doing some really crazy stuff, and they have a leader that I, I don't know if anybody would really, even, even some of the Chinese don't want him being there. I know China does some really crazy stuff, but we got to love Chinese. We got to love Chinese. All this, those China this and China that and Russia this and Russia that. We, we got to be people who walk the paths that lead to peace and reconciliation. Not just from a nationalistic or a worldly standpoint, but from right within our domestic place as well. So, he loved the woman in spite of the national relationship. <clears throat> he loved her enough to engage her while she was laden in sin. But he also loved her enough to sow worth into her life. If we're honest with ourselves, none of us here was worthy of Christ's love. If we're honest with ourselves, if I were to take a poll, I think the poll would come back with a resounding conclusion that the average person here had an encounter with Jesus when they were trying to run away from something. The reason why she was at the well that time of the day was because she was trying to stay away from society. And a lot of times we encounter Jesus at points when we're trying to run away from somebody or something. Dare I even say we try to run away from our very own selves. But Jesus loves you enough to leave the comfort of where he is, to step down into the muck and the mire, to come and meet you in your depression. He loves you enough to come and meet you in your frustration. He loves you enough to come and meet you in your fears. He, he loves you enough to come and meet you in your inconsistencies. He loves you enough to come and meet you right smack dab in the middle of being married to a man that's not even yours. He loves you enough because that's just who he is. This isn't some five strategies to win somebody to God. This isn't five strategies for good spiritual leadership. This is Jesus simply being who he is, and that is love. So could I ask you to stand? And just help me preach this message one last time. Look to the person next to you and, and say these words to them. He came this way for you.